Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hello everybody and welcome along to our 2022 coverage of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. It is the Michelin GT Challenge this weekend, VIR, one of two events that are GT only for the big show. It's our big race tomorrow, coming up later on this afternoon. Uh, wherever you are in the world, live in sound and vision, we will have uh, the qualifying uh, for, the two, uh, for the two categories, one qualifying session coming up for you. No blocks, no bricks, whether you're here in the States or further afield. But right now, we're getting set for free practice two. 90 minutes, and it's all live here on IMSA Radio. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. And let's head straight down to the pit lane. It's uh, Shay Adam who is enjoying the sunshine and it's hot, hot, hot. 18 cars we're expecting, five from GTD Pro, Shay, and the remaining 13 from GTD. Any problems this morning that uh, we have to report? Good morning, John. No, no problems. Happy to say that. Uh, we do have one car that chose to eschew its pit box and go straight to the pit exit. That being Mr. Andy Lally, who did not want to wait another moment more to go out onto the racetrack in his 44 Magnus Racing Aston Martin. He and John Potter back this weekend. is a bit of a prelude for the Motul Petit Le Mans coming up next month. It seems as if this is a perfect opportunity for them to shake off the cobwebs and get back to racing. But we do have one car that shortened the session yesterday that was the 79 WeatherTech racing mercedes that car is back out on the pit lane this morning and ready to go it was a bit of damage to the car after uh jules Gunion put it off uh where was that around the track i think it was up near oak tree wasn't it john where he had an off course excursion his first time here to vir international race or vir so he's learning it uh well the hard way but yesterday's session we saw the bmw of connor daly set the fastest time in gtd pro and in gtd it was one mr mike skeen and i see him over here so i'm just gonna doorstep him really quickly Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. How nice is it to be racing at Virginia International Raceway in a GT3 version of the Mercedes? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, this is my favorite place on the calendar. Uh, it's basically a home track for me, but I love the track. You know, good old school feel to it, and the, these cars are hooked up. It's fun. It's a track that you've got a lot of experience in racing in a lot of different kinds of cars, but GT3 machinery, where have you had to adapt the most as opposed to racing in prototypes, which is most recent for you? Yeah, most recent, um, but obviously downforce levels are pretty high here and in the P3, kind of similar. Um, you know, you got a full-size car here, a lot more weight, and maybe a little more comfortable over the curbing compared to a P3 car. But uh, overall, yeah, very comfortable here. I have driven GT3s and other series and other times here. Um, 
and old Vipers and stuff, you know. So lots of experience in the GT cars here too. It's just a blast to get around here and hustling up through the S's is a blast, you know, flying them over the curbs. So it's a good time. Now the team's leading the championship, uh, Team Cothworth Racing, two races to go. Do you guys take any pressure off the gas pedal at this point or do you put even more on? Uh, I think it's full steam ahead. You know, obviously we don't have big points margin uh, in any stretch of the imagination. So we, if anything, would like to pad the gap here a little bit and give us a little bit of comfort at Petite. But, you know, it's a super stout field. We've got lots of really good cars that we're battling, and you, we know they're going to be good, so we have to be good um, and just execute as best we can. Good luck this weekend, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mike Skeen with Shea Adam in the pit lane. Jeremy Shaw joins me, John Heintoff, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Good morning to you. Uh, if you are trackside here at VIR, whether you're further afield, listening to us on IMSA Radio on RS2, pretty much perfect conditions, Jeremy, with the air temperature at 82 Fahrenheit. It's 90 Fahrenheit on the track. That's 32 Celsius on the track and 28 Celsius for the rest of the world. And we're ready to go for free practice for the full 90 minutes. And we don't have to worry about classes this time round, Jeremy. And who's driving when? <laughs> We've got an hour and a half, uh, or an, another hour now, I guess, of uh, to find out who is the top dog getting ready for qualifying this afternoon. As the green flag flies for this 90 minutes, no changing ends at half-time. We're not talking about any football uh, at the moment. I have not had the best day so far, uh, as far as my football club is concerned. Uh, and Jeremy Shaw has the big uh, Lancashire derby coming up. Blackburn versus Blackpool coming up. Uh, Is that right? The, yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy's Blackburn and uh, Johnny Palmer is Blackpool. So uh, unless they play out a draw, someone's going to be disappointed. Uh, let's get back to the matter in hand. Great it'll be Johnny. Uh, yeah, well, it'll be Johnny, he says. I hope. I like... I like I like your uh, your confidence in your team. I do. Uh, mostly sunny, 68% uh, humidity. Currently, officially from the Alcabel timing screens, uh, 74%, uh, and sitting uh, a little bit above the forecast at 82 Fahrenheit. As I said, uh, 80 is what we've been forecast. That's close enough, uh, to be honest. That means the Michelin tyres are putting up with round about 32. 33 Celsius or 90 degrees Fahrenheit at the moment, but the sun pretty high in the sky at the moment. The uh, shadows relatively short as the cars go out. Now, this session, Jeremy, what are we going to see here? Qualifying is later on this afternoon, so at some stage, somebody's going to bolt on a set of brand new Michelins, but presumably they'll be wanting to get some long-run data on tyre wear and, and fuel consumption. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's there's a, there's a, a, a plethora of different things that the, the teams have been working on this morning. They, they want to make sure that uh, they're in good shape uh, for the qualifying this afternoon. But uh, it's the um, it's the race tomorrow that pays the big points. So uh, that's the that's that's a critical thing for for, for them. That's the, the big picture. Yesterday, I think we saw a few people doing qualifying sims. In any case, it was yesterday afternoon when they had the practice session, uh, which is. Uh, kind of when we're going to have the, the qualifying session uh, later on today. It'll be 3.15 for qualifying this afternoon. Uh, and then, of course, tomorrow's race starts local time at 2.15. So, um, you know, that's much more, I think, indicative of, of what the what the 
perhaps what the, uh, the the weather conditions are going to be like. You talked about being perfect out there. That's pretty toasty. If it's 80, 80 odd degrees already this morning, it's only t it's not even 11 o'clock yet, so it's it's pretty toasty, um, and uh, I, I'm assuming a pretty high humidity as well, uh, which is usual yeah, for this uh, time of year, this 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 place. So, yeah, right, exactly. So, um, you know, so it, it's a workout. It really is a workout. It's Jeremy Shaw, and we're going to keep an eye on the times here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre, which stand at the moment for nothing other than bragging rights over uh, lunch. Uh, Shea Adam uh, patrolling the pit lane, and bear in mind when it is a bit toasty, sometimes it's difficult for the, or the drivers aren't all there, um, but we'll try and grab a word with as many as we can. We've, uh, we'll s uh, uh, that, will, that will be in, in terms of uh, grabbing them for a chat not necessarily having a wrestle with them. Uh, uh, and we'll set shit off from one end of the pit lane and have a walk down to the other. Big weekend for Paul Miller Racing, Jeremy. The number one, grey, white and red. The, the total quartz car um, carrying the number one and only needs to start the race tomorrow to clinch the sprint part of the championship. That's all the shorter races, of course, uh, of which this is a part. Yeah, that's exactly right, John. And coming into this weekend uh, with a, a very handy 241-point lead in the, in the, in the championship uh, for the, the sprint cup, so, as you say, uh, that that's uh, insurmountable as long as they do, as long as they start the race. And it, it's been uh, you know a great couple of years for this team. I mean, last year, um, you know, was successful as well, and just sort of building on that and and just getting getting the fact they've had a brand new car this year to, to sort out. Uh, I think says a lot for, for this organisation. You know, they came away uh, with last year's. Uh, um, what well, it was 2020, wasn't it? They got the uh, the Endurance Cup Championship, um, and this year going for the Sprint Cup title uh, as well. So yeah, it's been a really really good performance by that team with that brand new BMW this season. Yeah, with a brand new BMW that they in fact got a bit late as well, didn't they? They weren't yeah. uh, they weren't yeah. at uh, the Rolex, which albeit you know not their focus the longer races, but you know a lot of well, I mean, it would have been it, it would yeah, have been their focus. Yeah, uh, but, true. Uh, yeah, because of that, they they they, they focus their attention on the Sprint Cup and and hey presto, you know they've done a, just a magnificent effort all the way through the season. Um, you know they've been. Uh, that's not a dominant force, but you know two wins, two other podium finishes every race in the sprint cup uh, of, the, of the seven sprint cup rounds so far uh, they've finished in the top uh, top five so that's that's pretty impressive uh, uh, particularly uh, with a brand new car possibly uh, a challenger this weekend from another one of the uh, teams that have hit a bit of form recently the uh, windward racing car they've got a bit of momentum jeremy that black and uh, uh, black and blue, number 57, just good round Oak Tree at the moment. Russell Ward and Bryce Ward, his dad. We, we've got to keep reminding ourselves that Winwood didn't exist, what, four or five years ago and have not only got programmes here in the US but have got a huge amount of, of racing that they uh, are looking after in in Europe as well with HTP Winwood, uh, with um, uh, their sister organization over there uh, and as i say this particular car the 57 really hitting a bit of form right now 
Well, yeah, very much so. Yeah, with the win last time out at Road America, uh, they got uh, yeah, three top fives in a row. They were fifth at Lime Rock, uh, which could have been a lot better. Uh, Canadian Time Motorsport Park came away with a second place finish. They've had a pole position this season. Uh, it's been a really, really good year uh, for this uh, organization, no question about it. Um, and uh, and Phil Ellis, who's sharing this car with Russell Ward, has serious pace too. He's had a couple of fastest oh, race yeah. laps this year. So, uh, you know, that, that team has... Um, yeah, they, they've 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 not had the consistency that they would have liked. Plus, they've had a various, perhaps more than their share of bad luck on occasion. But uh, pace, yeah, not lucking there at all. Yeah, and he's just got to the top of the charts as well as Russell Ward in that number 57. Uh, Shea, we set her the task of getting right the way down the pit lane. Where do we find you now, Miss Adam? About halfway down, made it down to Carbon with their Lamborghini and Rob McGuinness. Now, Rob, i got to start off with this. I don't think you've ever raced at VIR, have you? I raced at VIR in 2015, so when I was 15 years old, in Formula 1600. So it's been a while. How different is it to drive a GT car versus something with wings and, well, no downforce? It's honestly hard to compare because I don't even, like, remember that. Um, I have some notes I wrote down which are terrible. But uh, I love this track. Yesterday I got four laps before it started raining and it was like so much fun. Went through the S's and it felt like a roller coaster. You get the like stomach drop the first time you go up. So it was, it, I'm having a blast. This is one of those tracks that's been really good for Lamborghini in the past. And you guys have been riding a wave, going the right direction. Do you think this is going to be a good weekend for you, Jeff Westfall, and the entire Carbon team? Yeah, definitely. Um, the car felt really good yesterday. The cars felt really good every weekend, last few. Um, so. It's all just refinement, and this group of guys is so good. We're not going to have any car issues. We always seem to be on a good strategy. Like, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. 90-minute session for this morning slash into the afternoon. Uh, Jeff's out there now, but clearly you need laps if you haven't raced here in such a long time. What's the run plan for you guys? Um, Jeff will, you know, Jeff's been here. He's done that. He'll set up the car. He'll make it nice for me. Um, I'll get in at the end, you know, get some laps under my belt. Uh, do a qualifying exam to get ready for quality and be good to go. How nice is it to be a part of this family? Your crew guys are so kind to you. I know, they're so nice. Uh, they're never making fun of me at all. Um, no, it's great. I'm loving working with these guys, with this team. They always do a great job. And, um, you know, they're helping motivate me to be a better version of myself. So it's awesome. Jeremy Shaw has a question for you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, fascinating comment there about Robert's notes that he took during his F1600 weekend. And he said they were terrible. Does he still do those notes? And, and I'm sure there was something he gained out of them in any case. Jeremy said uh, it's interesting that you take notes during the F600 weekend and you still have them. And he, he said it's interesting that you say they were terrible. Was there anything that you gained from them? And do you still take notes regularly? Yeah, definitely. You know, you need to document what happens every weekend. So you come back and you can watch video, you can look through data, but there's nothing that can really replicate that feel of driving a race car and being in motion. And that's why I like to write everything down. Um, I think when I was 15, I didn't understand exactly what I needed for myself to go fast when I came back to a track. It's my first year of car racing. So, you know, my notes are improving every year and I'm getting better at showing up to a track and being quick. So it was, it was actually interesting to go back and read those from so long ago because so many things have changed in my head and I've progressed so much as a driver. Super interesting. Thanks, Rob. Good luck this weekend. Thank you so much.
Excellent comments. Yeah, Excellent very, comments. And, very, and I'm delighted good. to hear that uh, he, he's still still doing those notes and that he referred to them when he came here as well. That's that's a great lesson for all young drivers. I've just got back the, uh, the last couple of days from a shootout with uh, six new uh, candidates for this year's Team USA scholarship, and, and that's one thing that, that I uh, brought up with them there. Uh, yeah, a couple of them were, sort of, were taking some notes at the beginning of the of the of the of the, um, of the shootout. By the end, I think they all were, uh, and I think that's a great lesson for youngsters to follow. Uh, and how did that go, Jeremy? As we've got a little bit of time here in, in this session, I, I don't expect you to give any any results right now. I know the numbers are being crunched, etc., etc. In this the year of Team USA. Uh, how was it? How's this year's crop of youngsters? Yeah, 33rd year, by the way. Mm. Uh, it was horrific. I mean, it was dreadful because they were ridiculously close. Mm. We had the shootout at, at the Polcat Training Centre, which is a sensational track in Tennessee. It's not really a racetrack. It, it's, a, it's a training centre, Polcat Training Centre. Uh, there's a school there. There's all sorts of things. There. But there's, there's, there's six youngsters there were absolutely spectacularly good and incredibly closely matched. It's a, uh, a, a two-mile circuit with 19 corners. Wow. And in, in the final sort of 10-lap shootout, every single one of them set an average for all of the 10 laps, including the first flying lap, uh, within six-tenths of a second of each other on, on a one-minute 53-second lap. Wow. That is close. Well, what were so the driving, Jeremy? They were driving the, what, the old Skip Barber school cars, ah, okay. which have been completely restored. They are absolutely immaculate. And Jerry Nadeau, who was uh, one of our former scholarship winners, was there. He kind of detailed the cars effectively on the day beforehand. And they looked absolutely superb. They performed perfectly. There were no dramas at all. And there was hardly any off-track excursions either. It was a great couple of days. So that's a, uh, that's a stick shift gearbox and three pedals then, Jeremy? Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's actually sequential shift, oh. which I don't like necessarily. But uh, I, I don't prefer. I prefer them to use an H pattern at that yeah. stage in their careers, which is one of the reasons why Robert McGuinness did F1600 in the first place uh, back uh, you know, back when he was 15 years old, because mm. um, uh, it's a great skill to have. But uh, but yeah, you have to use all three pedals, uh, and you have to blip on the downshifts. And you know, a couple of youngsters who come out of a series where they don't have to use all three yes. pedals, struggled a bit. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a great skill Clearly to have. Clearly not for and, very yeah. long, though, Jeremy. Not for very long, what no, he was indeed, saying man. in that 10-lap wow. shootout at the end. When do we get to hear who the uh, the two nominees are to, I presume, they're coming over to the Formula Ford Festival again? Yes, uh, and the Walter Hayes Trophy. That's exactly right. So that'll be uh, sort of October, November. Um, I've got to look through all the data. I mean, we, you know, we got we had good lap times there. We had a you know proper timing and scoring system. So uh, plus data on the cars. So I've got to pour through all that and share it with all our judges. Uh, Andy Lally was there. Aaron Johnson was there. They're both racing here this weekend. Uh, Jeremy Do, like I said, and um, Dan Layton from uh, from uh, a Honda Acura was was part of our group. We had a really really good group there. So uh, we've got a lot of analyzing to do uh, and it's you know it's not just uh, what the what the kids do on the track off how they yes. perform off the track how they relate to everybody uh, is all part of the thing and i tell you what they all related very well the camaraderie amongst the six ah. was really really impressive it was it was a fantastic couple of days well, i can't wait to find out who comes up at the top of that being a, being a bit of a tradition yeah, that uh, when they come to the uk uh, for the last 
well, it's it's got to be 15 years now, possibly even a little bit more. So yeah, uh, that I sort of pop in and uh, have a word with them or get them over to Hindoff Towers and get them on Midweek Motorsport. So uh, let us know, Jeremy, and uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Meantime here, GTD Pro 143.984 last time around for the Vassa Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3 of Jack Hawksworth and Bill Oberlin this weekend back in liquid molly colours in the number 96 Turner Motorsport BMW. So Andy Blackmore had to make a little last minute change yesterday to the spotter guide, spotter's guide uh, and... Uh, it is absolutely great in those red, white, and blue colours. Bill's just done a 45-0. So a little bit of time between GTD Pro and GTD. The cars are the same. It's about the makeup of the teams. Performance potential the same. Balance of performance the same between the similar cars, the similar manufacturing cars. So there's no reason why um, the Frankie Manti Calvo Vasa Sullivan RCF can't go as quick as the Jack Hawksworth. Um, the difference is the steering. Uh, the what is it that, that uh, my Australian colleagues say? The uh, the nut behind the steering wheel. Well, yes, or the uh, the carbon the carbon interface is what. <laughs> <laughs> carbon based what, interface. That's that's a stonking lap there from Jack Hawksworth. I mean, he is, is he is absolutely on it there. Forty three nine fastest time yesterday was set very early in the session on lap four by Conady Filippi in number 25 BMW MT RLL M4 GT3. That was 145.196. Uh, and Jack has just turned a 143.984. So that is absolutely flying around here. The, the qualifying lap record uh, for GTD is a 43.3. That was by Ross Gunn last season in the, uh, in the kind of the, 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 uh, the point scoring pro session. Uh, it wasn't yes. the, the order yes. they set the grid. Uh, that was a separate session, of course. Thank, thank we don't have that uh, total confusion anymore. But uh, yeah, 43.3, that's kind of the benchmark here for the uh, fastest lap time in GTD. He actually lost that time as well for getting out the car before the session uh, was uh, over. But that is the fastest time, as Jeremy said, that we had. At IMSA Radio, radio at IMSA Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us. Uh, and make any comments whether you're here in the sunshine at VIR looking absolutely splendid as normal had a bit of bonus coverage yesterday with the first free practice session and the qualifying for the mission pilot challenge uh, as well and uh, you'll be able to see if you're not here yourself just how perfectly prepared this beautiful racetrack is uh, later on today when we have qualifying for this session as always live in sound and vision with no blocks or breaks, no interruptions for you. Uh, and that will be on imsa.tv and, of course, at imsaradio.com via the live video tab. And as far as our single manufacturer races uh, are concerned, Pilot Challenge as well, and this race on Sunday. Well, the single manufacturer races, you'll get those everywhere. Uh, the Pilot Challenge and this race on Sunday in terms of the video... Um, outside the US, you'll get the international TV feed, obviously. Uh, but if you are travelling around, uh, Sirius XM Sirius at 207 on Sunday for the WeatherTech Championship. A little bit of a whoopsie at the Oak Tree corner at the far end of the racetrack from the number 16, Jan Halen, driven right motorsports 
Porsche. That's the blue car with the uh, black swoosh, black and white swoosh along the side and on the front end of the car. Picked up speed straight away. Just dropped off in the middle of the York tree. No harm, no foul. Uh, ben Barnicott, by the way, has taken over that uh, number 14 Lexus. Uh, so they're cycling through their drivers. Other times coming in for GTD behind Bill Oberlin, Aaron Tielitz for the second Vasa Sullivan. So that's a changeover as well after the first, what, 18, 19 minutes of this session. Phil Ellis still aboard the Windward Racing, number 57, the black and blue AMG. Um, Jeff Westfall for the Carbon Lamborghini Huracan uh, just come into the pit lane. And who's just jumped up there in time? That must have been Matthew Chamonet for Faf Motorsports in the number nine car. He's went, who's just uh, gone by the start finish line with a 145-1. So it's closing up at the front of the field. Uh, Bill Oberlin has closed down to within just about six tenths of a second. Then there's half a second back to Jaminet. Aaron Tielitz is 0 0.004 further back. That's your top four just on a second. That will close in, Jeremy, because yesterday it was very tight indeed. Well, I hope it'll close in because uh, otherwise it's going to be a fairly boring day tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> four second clear of, of Matthew Jaminet. I mean, you know, Bill Oberlin uh, snuck in there you know, halfway halfway between that gap so to speak but still that's a that was a tremendous lap by jack Hawksworth, and i'd love to know what he uh, what he pulled out of his hat to, to get that one in because that's significantly faster than anybody else i wonder if that but, was uh, a, yeah there is i wonder if that was an early qualifying scene yeah, that they I'm did sure it to get was. it out of the way yeah um very interesting yeah well right we i mean we're not going to see race pace no. uh, in the 43s, that's for sure. What is the well, race lap record round here? The race lap record is a is a 44.3, but that was way back in 2017. All a bit right. more repre representative, probably, uh, with, with different tyres that were back then. Uh, I think more representative, the fastest lap from last year was a 45.0. Uh, and those are the sort of times we see now. 45.1 um, was was the fastest time yesterday. We've got a couple of guys at 45.1 today. So uh, I think that's probably going to be... Uh, a more representative time for tomorrow's race. At Nimsa Radio, if you'd like to get in touch, peeling into the pits off the front straight, Ross Gunn for GT D Pro Heart of Racing Aston Martin. That's the number 23 car going through into the first corner now. A couple of cars to get together is the WeatherTech Cooper McNeil driven Mercedes, the white car with the blue and red stripes on the side. That's the number 79. And uh, right up his tailpipes is one of the Lexus. And because it's got the green numbers uh, on the side, that means it uh, is the number 12 car. Green mirrors, green shade band ends, uh, and green wing end plates for the GTDs. GDD Pros, all of the things I've just mentioned are red. So that will give you an idea if you're looking at the two, particularly the two Lexus, which are in livery terms pretty much identical. There's a couple of different sponsor names between the two cars. But uh, if you're looking at, at green mirrors, uh, then you're looking at the 12 car. If you're looking at red mirrors, you're looking at the 14 car. That's pretty much how it works. 
So we've had already. Yeah, it, it works out well, that doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. The only problem is, of course, if you have two cars in the same class uh, from the same team, then it leaves the teams very little to distinguish the cars. Although they're, they're normally pretty good um, for us in putting some distinguishing marks on, whether it's a different flash uh, on the on the front of the cars or on the side of the cars or on the rear wing, maybe. Uh, they're normally pretty good about that. But it's uh, the the wing uh, plates. I was doing a remote commentary this morning for Porsche Carrera Cup Asia from the uh, V1 Tianjin circuit just outside Beijing. Uh, and uh, a couple of teams there uh, basically give you the, the clues with the wing mirror colours, um, which obviously it is mandated what colours your wing mirrors are, whether they are, or door mirrors as they are now, red for pro, green for am. And, uh, uh, but it, it, it does at least give us half a chance. I, I have been watching a little bit of F1 as well, and I heartily applaud the uh, move that uh, AMG Mercedes-Benz Petronas have made this weekend with putting proper old-fashioned roundels with big numbers on the side pods of their cars. Um, that's fantastic. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it, and it looks great as well, particularly on that uh, 2022 AMG, which has that almost triangular section through the middle of the body, which remembers, reminds me a little bit of an old... There was an old Brabham that was like that, and the old Kotasuka was a bit like that as well, wasn't it? Um, with the radiators mounted in clever places. So... Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, as I get older, Jeremy, it will surprise you not at all to know the bigger the numbers, the better, as far yeah. as, as I'm concerned uh, on cars. Just on 25 minutes uh, gone, plenty to go, just on a, about an hour and five minutes. Let's head back down to the pit lane, who's picked out another driver to have a chat with. And it's not any old driver. Uh, Shea, this is the man who put the fastest time in earlier on. Well, he said he wanted to hear from the best, so I came down and found the fastest guy. Now, it should come as no surprise that Jack Hawksworth is quicker on VIR. I remember that pull lap in 2018. I'll remember that for a long time. But what is it about the Lexus that loves these conditions right now, Jack? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously difficult to know at the minute really where everyone is. Everyone's running through their practice program. So, um, I mean, I think the, the track's fast and flowing around here, so it should suit us. There's a lot of kind of medium high-speed corners. A little bit cooler this morning. Um, it's going to get a bit warmer this afternoon, so that, that'll make things a little bit more difficult. But um, so far, we've had a pretty solid start to the weekend. So, yeah, we, I love this track. I, it's just a lot of fun driving around here, you know. Like, it's one which you always look forward to, just all the elevation change and everything. So, uh, yeah, when you get to put a set of stickers on and, and go, for, go for it, it's a lot of fun. So is that a Mark Qualley run, then? Or is there more to come? Yeah, that was a, like a qualifying simulation. So, I mean, hopefully we'll find a few more tents in quali, but it's, uh, yeah, we, we'll see where everyone's at. I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot of people doing race running right now. So I think end of the session, we'll kind of get a better idea where we are. So you think you're the first person to do that kind of thing and the times will come closer? Uh, certainly in the pro class, we're the first ones to do it. Yeah, 100%. How did the car balance feel for the Lexus? Yeah, it felt pretty good. Uh, like it felt nice. We had a little bit of mid-corner understeer, but other than that, we we're pretty well happy with it. Well, can't wait to see what you do in qualifying later. Thanks, Jack. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, Very, very candid as ever, Jack Hawksworth. Uh, you will have worked out uh, by his accent that he's not from round here. Um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Uh, comes from one of the damper parts of the UK, which is why he's got that lovely voice like that. Uh, pit 
closed lights are on for reference at the moment, have been since the start of the run, but the pits are remaining open at the moment. Uh, we've not yet seen the Jaden Conright NTE SSR Lamborghini, Jeremy, that number 42 mm. car. So, Cher, I'm tasking you immediately to find out why the yes, Lambo is not on parade. <laughs> she just said, yes, sir, I'm here. <laughs> on our talk back. Do you know, I, I, I know there'll be people, Jeremy, who, who are looking uh, at the timing and scoring on Alcamel, whether they're around the world or perhaps sitting trackside and thinking, only 18 cars here, but this effectively is its not even, well, it is probably about half the field normally, isn't it? But this is just the GTs. I think this is a good number round here, and I think this boards well for our race tomorrow. I always like lots of green flag racing. I like to see the nuances and the tactics coming in, uh, and with a bit of luck here, we should get a good race tomorrow. I'll drink to that, certainly. And, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I really like these GT, all GT races as well. And, and particularly, you know, uh, I mean, we all miss the GTLM cars, <clears throat> excuse me, because they are spectacular or were spectacular. As, as, but uh, but the GTD cars, they look great. They uh, And it's just nice to have you know, more cars in the same field going, you know, going, being competitive with each other. Yes, there's the two kind of driver classes. Uh, but as you were saying earlier on, you know, they're all running the same spec of cars. Uh, and uh, I really like it. It's just a straight, straight, flat-out race, start to finish, uh, with all running to the same technical specifications uh, as uh, as decided by, by IMSA. Yeah. So, yeah, exciting. And um, it's going to be fun tomorrow. It really is. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you know, having fewer cars, yeah, give, give me quality over quantity uh, any day. Totally agree. I know it doesn't make for good radio when we agree on everything, but um, <laughs> no, I, I I would much rather see that. I think it gives everybody a fair yeah. crack of the whip. And, and the stats in this class, in, in these two classes, but in the GTD class in particular, um, have been extraordinary um, as to how close all of the different manufacturers and teams have been. Um, it, and we, we generally see that pretty much the whole field uh, of the, what have we got, 13 this weekend. As Aidan Reid, by the way, just improves to the top of the GT category for Rick Ware Racing in the number 51 Acura. Just got across the line, the purple and yellow car going through turn one now. Um, I mean, pretty much everybody's got at least the chance of a podium if they execute through the race. And, and surely that's got to be the key. Absolutely right. I mean, look, there's been nine manufacturers involved in the championship uh, this season. Uh, four, five, six of them. One, two, three, four, five, six of them have scored wins. Six out of nine have won races this year. Uh, every single one has scored a podium. Oh, wow. And also, every single one, actually, except for Lamborghini, has scored either a pole position or, or a, fast a fastest lap. race lap. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's incredible, quite frankly. They've done a fantastic job of keeping these uh, these very different cars in, uh, in 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 tight formation in terms of what they're able to achieve in terms of lap timing. It's absolutely brilliant. I, I know BOP are three dirty letters sometimes, but it's about how you do the BOP. And IMSA um, and their technical department should take about... Uh, Jeremy mentioned there the different cars. All right, so you've got a V8 front-engine Mercedes, a V8 front-engine BMW, um, which is one of the, the new 
uh, breed of cars as well, of course, that GT3. Uh, you've got uh, Aston Martins all, also mid-engined. Rear-engine Porsche, of course, and then mid-engined, uh, Lexus's front engine as well. Uh, mid-engined Acura, uh, a mid-engined Lamborghini, uh, front-engined uh, uh, Chevrolet Corvette. Uh, as well, mid-engined mid uh, Chevrolet Corvette as well. Those are all very different animals. And to basically, to put it in the, to put the opportunity to win, Jeremy, in the hands of the teams and the drivers in any given weekend, obviously there'll always be inherent differences in, in the tracks that, that cars quote-unquote go well at, as we just heard Jack Hawksworth talking about, the, the fast-flowing circuit seemed to suit, suit the Lexus. But, but really what we want to see is that guile, that skill, those tactics coming through to pay off at the end of these races. That's exactly right. I mean, that's all you ask for as a, as a team mm. and or a driver is to, is to be competitive, to have an opportunity uh, to, to get things done, you know, to go out and, and yes. get the win or the podium or whatever it might be. And, and um, you know, th there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, all, all the teams, they're going to say, well, you know, he's got a better BOP than, than I. But I tell you what, there's very little of that sort of chat goes on these days yeah. uh, because um, they, they all, they, everybody uh, up and down this paddock knows how much thought analysis uh, goes into how much data the, uh, the decision to make. It's a massive amount of data. Uh, and there's a, you know, a small team of people who goes through it all, all and, uh, and comes up with the... Uh, your changes that whatever there might be for each weekend and and coming into to to this weekend uh, th there's absolutely no change at all it's exactly the same uh, BOP as we had last time out at road america which is in some ways it's well it's, i mean it's, this track is is not similar at all really to road america is it but, it's got uh, a long straight it's got, got a couple of long straight, couple of long yeah. straights, and a few twisty bits. And some bits. elevation change. Yes. It has in some degree, but but yes. you know, it was it was very close last week, and, and I, I think it's going to be very close again this week, and, and that's that's great. And, and you know, Jack Hawks was said in that that 143.9, which remains uh, half a second clear. Oh, Aiden Reed now has just jumped up. Yeah, yeah, second yeah. I mentioned position. that. Yeah, yeah. We were. Uh, yeah, in yeah, that uh, RWR. Uh, yeah, thank you, but I wasn't. I was. Uh, so he he's within half a second. Yeah. Of uh, of Jack Hawksworth's side, Bill Oblin, he he was also around about that half second mark off the pace. But uh, I think, yeah, there's no way that uh, Jack Hawksworth is going to be able to do uh, two hours and forty minutes worth, no. even though he has to share the car with Ben Barnicott, uh of of those sort of lap times during a race because he's going to burn off his rear tyres. So there's all sorts of things you've got to bear in mind uh, when you go into your race strategy. Uh, we asked the question, that's Jeremy Shaw, by the way, he's with me, John Hindoff, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre, uh, and uh, sounding great this weekend, as ever, Mr Shaw, thank you. Uh, and Shit Adam is down in the pits with an NTE Lamborghini update, Shit. Uh, Jaden Conright did some very good detective work, and while bringing the car out to the pit lane before the session began, he realized that the brakes were not working as they should have been. It was a rear master cylinder fail. They are currently changing it back in the garage area, but that would have been a lot of fun, I said, going up through the S's. Jaden responded, nope, not quite the S's. It's what comes after them where the problem would have been. Oh, dear. Right, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Oh, we expect to see that car out again, Shit. Yes. Yep, they're working okay. on it now. They said they'll definitely be up before the end of the session. Uh, one car in strife is the number 16. Uh, this is the Porsche, the blue, black and white Porsche 
of Wright Motorsports. Ryan Hardwick recently took over that, and it is the classic VIR incident right at the top of the hill. Lost it going into the uh, right left at the uh, roller coaster there before you dive down the hill. Uh, was the oh yeah just went in tiny bit too quick very lucky not to hit the tyres on the right hand side but then onto the grass there was a little bit of rain earlier on in the event and that grass still carrying a little bit of moisture slick racing tyres moisture grass no grip and in pretty square on sideways on the passenger side for Ryan Hardwick the American driver uh, is moving around in the cockpit, talking to the team quite obviously. Uh, there is an onboard on that car that could see him keying the pits, the car to pits radio. Uh, and he's moving around talking to the team. I think just uh, waiting for the red flag to come out, which it does now with 55 minutes on the clock. Red flag, everybody to reduce the speed and come back around to the pit lane and to their pit box and wait EMR IMSA safety team will be on their on way to pick him up Jeremy sorry go ahead here's this on board again let's see just carried a bit too much speed in there and he just yeah, missed just those this tire barrier I tell you what, that, that's where it was that tire barrier on the right hand side of the racetrack after that kink where, and you're braking just 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 kind of before that kink and 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 sort of losing speed all the way through it before you really jump on the brakes for the for the right hand roller coaster and it was that tire bar on the right that eric foss had a massive crash earlier this year when he had a brake failure in a uh, a gt4 car mm. uh, testing it for a for a uh, he was coaching somebody um. and he had a massive massive accident there uh, and uh, ryan was very lucky there you know, to, 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 to not hit that barrier or that tyre barrier. Uh, listening to what Ryan is saying to the AMR safety team who are there in the IMSA Chevy t safety trucks and the, uh, the Porsche Cayenne intervention vehicles, I believe he's asking for, in fact, confirmed now from the pit lane, he's asking... I think he was asking for a flat toe. The problem is he can't get any steering lock into the car because he's tight up against the barriers. And great work as ever by our safety teams and track services. And thank you to them and indeed all of our volunteers around the track, whether they're waving a flag as a quarter marshal or flag marshal, paddock, etc plus all of our medical staff as well, of course, uh, and those who are parking cars and checking tickets. Thank you for the most precious gift that you can give us, uh, your time, so that we can go motor racing. Well, he, the flat tour has pulled him out of the, the area that he was worried about, and I think he's fairly confident he can drive it out of there. He's going to start the engine, uh, and... He has asked, and of course, the safety crew are savvy enough to know to try and take some of the grass out of the of the intakes on the front of that car. So a slight delay. The clock runs. It was uh, 55 minutes when the red flag came out. I think, Jeremy, if he's got away with that, and I think he has got away with that, they'll have to re-set his uh, right-hand door mirror. There's a little bit of a 
scuff on both wheel arches on the right-hand side. But as Joe Bradley uh, would say, if all the wheels are pointing in the right direction, and uh, they are, I think he's got away with that. That could have been an absolutely huge accident. And uh, he's done well to get that car slowed down and sideways enough to let the tyres do their job. I know tyres sometimes are looked on with a bit of disdain in these days of so many different things around the track, but stacked tyres banded together and away from something that is solid, which is what those tyres are there for, they still do the job, dissipating the energy. Absolutely right, Absolutely right they do, John. And uh, I, it was hard to see from that uh, vantage point, but I, I think there's a tyre stack and then there's a gap and then there's another tyre stack before the fence. Exactly right, Jeremy. I think that was the case there. Uh, and But yeah, no, he did a really good job. I mean, he was, he was very lucky there. No question about it. To go in absolutely broadside there, it certainly scrubbed off a you know, reasonable amount of speed. Scrubbed off some while it was going sideways on the on the asphalt, and even on the grass, I think it, it, was, it, it wasn't that bad. We've just seen some massive accidents on that corner in the past, uh, and that wasn't what. Happily, that was not one of them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, with a bit of luck, you might even be able to continue in this session. And it's not often we go that far off the road, particularly that corner, that you can say that. Definitely going to need a new splitter and a new bumper cover. The tow hook still pulled out from the AMR safety crew recovering the car. But the most worrying thing was that when the car came to a stop and went up on the air jacks, the mechanics did their shaking of the tires thing, as they are known to do. Mostly that's done to uh, find out if there's anything wrong with the car or to reassure the driver that you are making a change, perhaps even when you're not, just to do a little bit of trickery. Um, but unfortunately, the wheel did move in a manner which it shouldn't. So I believe there's a bit of suspension damage as well. And they're looking at the right rear now as well as the front of the car got away with a lot of it on the front but there is a lot of broken carbon fiber on the right front wheel well so the team's going to keep the car here for at least a little while and do some work yep the blocks have gone underneath the jacks so it'll be a while and uh, ryan has gotten out of the car but as you guys rightly say that was a lot better than it could have been uh, i think they'll count themselves pretty lucky there they'll be checking for radiator damage uh, around the uh, front end of that car on the GT3s they're still uh, on the outer edge they're going to use the air hose to blow out the residual uh, grass clippings uh, we're back on the green by the way in case you hadn't realized um, if you're at the track you've already got cars uh, coming past and keen eared listeners around the world will have heard things uh, setting off and uh, getting away Penalty for the number 32, Stephen McAleer. Team caught off motorsport. That's pit lane speed violation. The warnings have all been run, at, run through now. Uh, it was only one kilometre, but that will give him a drive through. And by the way, uh, Rob Furriel now having taken the 99 hardpoint car over from Catherine Legg. Welcome back to the championship to that team really bizarre set of circumstances that kept them away for a wee while with a uh, a hauler fire their tractor trailer unit um, going back to the shop after a race earlier on the season had a fire in it but uh, the fire suppression within the trailer did its job but actually uh, that caused one or two problems with the the car that had to be then sorted out it's taken a little while longer I think than they expected to, to clean all that stuff up. But the good news is the car was relatively in one piece. Uh, back to the 
pit lane for the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW, the mid-grey car, with its four-way flashes on uh, as it came through the last part of the lap and into the pit lane. Uh, I wonder if it's stuck on the pit lane speed limit there. Shea Adam uh, is uh, looking at that car going by her with number 11 on the side. And in fact, Brian Sellershe is going back to the paddock. Yes, he is. Uh, the team has been working on the car for the entirety of the session. Brian Seller started its session, took it out, felt something that felt wrong in the rear of the car. They looked at it and saw that it looked like the floor was coming off a little bit. Well, the diffuser and the floor are now the issues, so they are taking the car back to the paddock. This is them done for the session. The next time we will see this number one Paul Miller Racing BMW will be during qualifying. So they have not been able to figure out what is wrong with that car, and we will not see them again for FP2. Right, okay, so they're going to lose the sharp end of an hour of running. Uh, there, were, there were problems with BMWs at the back end of last year and indeed at the front end of this year, Jeremy, with uh, rear diffusers uh, actually doing their job rather too well and uh, pulling the car down, but then not perhaps staying on their mountings. Uh, and and this will be a worry here at the weekend for a team that we mentioned at the, the top of the broadcast here has had a bit of momentum coming into this weekend. Yeah, with uh, yeah, with uh, just a string of, of top uh, top five finishes. It's been a, a very impressive campaign for that team. Uh, and as you, as you were saying earlier on, John, all you have to do is start the race to be able to clinch the GTD uh, WeatherTech Sprint Cup Championship. But, uh, of course, they want to do a lot better than that. They've had success here in the past and want to uh, continue that. So, uh, yeah, with with uh, four podium finishes in nine starts this season, that re represents a, you know, a really good uh, first campaign for the team. And the, the, the only other, well, none of the, the other cars in, uh, in GTD has had that many podium finishes this year. Two wins on the, uh, the season, in the season, uh, as well, uh, of course. And so, yes, that... That will be a bit of a worry. Although those of you with uh, relatively long or relatively good menu memories, uh, or indeed both, uh, will recall uh, in the days of them running with another manufacturer when they were a Lamborghini team, they had to change an engine here uh, at VIR. Uh, and they did that, and they got a very good result here from memory. And I think, Shea Adam... That was the year that they actually won the, the, the championship, was it not? When they had that. They didn't have two engine changes they had to do that year. Yes. Yeah, they had one at Lime Rock in FP1. They Lime went on Rock. to win that race. And then the one in FP1 here where Brian started going around the track, and I think he made it to the S's before the engine gave up. Uh, that actually was their worst finish of the season, though, back here uh, at VIR. And I think it was still well within the top 10. So, yes, uh, they're a very well-proven team. Yes and they are uh, not afraid of a bit of hard work. Uh, the good news is we are well aware from race day, but they will want to try and get that car out for at least a few laps, I would have thought, before qualifying. Uh, if they can, they've got f 44 minutes. That's possibly a little bit much of an ask. Opportunity for them to get a 15-minute qualifying session. There is a warm-up tomorrow morning, and we will have that for you live. So if, for whatever reason, things don't go their way in qualifying, they can still make uh, turn a few laps on Sunday morning uh, in the uh, in the warm-up session. 
So 45, just under 45 minutes to go, Jeremy. And as you rightly predicted, that uh, time from Jack Hawksworth earlier on is taking some uh, some catching. Only Ryan Eversley and, uh, and uh, the Turner Motorsport car anywhere near them. And then by that, I mean within half a second or thereabouts. Um, let's uh, keep an eye on the times as we have got 44 minutes left. And Shea Adam is with Andy Lally. Andy, now as I understand it, Magnus Racing coming back this weekend has a much bigger purpose for you and John Potter. Getting a podium and he'll go vegan for a week. How did you get him to uh, make that bet with you? <laughs> he does this every uh, every couple of races with me. He gets the he, he thinks it's going to motivate me more. I, I want this uh, no matter what. But yeah, that's a that's a cool little bonus. Uh, yeah, I think he said a week, and if we win, uh, a month. So that's that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's not like you need any entry incentive to drive faster. Now, you've been driving a lot of different race cars in the time since you've been in the GT3 machinery. Does it feel like coming home, getting back behind the wheel of the Aston? Actually, to be honest, uh, yesterday I had to take a few laps and kind of knock the rust off of the thing. It's, it's not an H pattern. Uh, it's got ABS. I can, I can lean on some traction control and uh, uh, lower CG with, with much stickier tires. So I, I think it actually... Uh, took me a few laps because I'd done three NASCAR races in between the time that I'd done my last uh, race at Watkins Glen a couple months ago. So uh, it definitely uh, took me a minute to reacclimate with uh, with with the with the corner speed that the GT3 is capable of. You've been doing some coaching though as well for sports car racing. Does that help keep you in the loop? No, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it it, it kind of does. You know, it what it does is. I, it means that I've driven like seven different cars since I've driven the Aston Martin. So again, it's part of like uh, you know reacclimating and knocking the knocking the the rust off, or, or just getting things much more precise with this, with this specific the, uh, car. And uh, obviously, uh, we've got a little bit of work to do the, uh, and uh, trying to figure out there? if that is if some of that is me or or uh, what we need to do to the car here. Uh, we're we're decent right now on race pace but that outright lap right away on stickers uh, is something that we've we've got to figure out we did our run on full tanks so that's obviously uh, going to take off a little bit of time once once we queue up and uh, I don't know we'll see I, I, I like the balance of the car uh, except for one particular thing that we're, we're shooting new uh, to get better now this race wasn't on the initial Magnus schedule at the beginning of the year what was it that drew you out for Virginia International Raceway uh, boy, <laughs> we needed tires, and uh, we weren't able to get tires to go testing, so John said, let's just go do a race, and then magically tires were available. Hey, whatever, however you have to get them, whatever works. Andy, good luck this weekend, and hopefully you can make John at least a temporary vegan. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for asking that for me, Shea. Shea Adam down there in the pit lane. John Hindorf and Jeremy Shaw for Haggerty Global in the Haggerty Global broadcast booth. Just on 41 minutes still to go. Great looking and great sounding car. That number 44 Magnus machine at the top of the roller coaster right now, heading down through that sinuous piece of tarmac towards the end of the track, real rhythm part of the circuit, down to the hog pen and turning left and left and left and left and into the pit lane actually. So, uh, sorry, right and right and right. If you turned left and left and left, you'd be on the grass. So, 
He's into the pit lane. Maybe a bit of work for Andy. Uh, the 16, Jeremy, uh, and the right racing Porsche back out on the circuit. That is impressive. It really is. Uh, they'll, they'll have had a good look over that car. They'll have uh, checked everything before they sent Ryan back out again. And, uh, yeah, that's remarkable to get away with that. And then, what, maybe 20 minutes later or so, be back on the racetrack. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't happen very often. So hats, hats off to that right, right Motorsports team. Let's see what Ryan can do now. He's turned some yeah, respectable laps in this session. And it'll take him a, a few laps now for sure to get back into the groove again because that sort of an incident is going to uh, take its toll mentally. Apart from anything else, he, he, he was very, very close to having a huge shunt there. I mean, he almost collected that barrier on the right-hand side of the road where the car, where the track turns to the left before the right, tight right-hander at roller coaster at the end of that back straight. Uh, and, uh, you know, that'll, that'll knock your confidence a bit, ho however good you are. For that number 16 right motorsport Porsche, it was a new, spent, uh, new fender, a new door, and a new bumper. It wasn't just that the mirror was actually angled in, guys. It was pushed in through the carbon of the door. But we're just under 40 minutes to go of the second practice session for the Emsa WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And there's a team up on the wall. NTE is here, and the car is about to come rolling down the pit lane. I'm going to stand a couple pit boxes back, though, just to make sure that the brakes are indeed working on the car now. <laughs> Very smart, Shea. Thank you. Well, that will be the full 18, then, that we have on the entry list. Don't forget imsa.com if you want to keep up to date with all of the news. Big story uh, breaking on Wednesday that uh, Jeff Gordon is coming back to uh, racing and that will be next weekend in IMSA competition in the Porsche Carrera Cup at Indianapolis. And we've had a spin at the last corner and it's the NSX of Ryan Eversley, but it was in a place where it can come straight back into the pit lane. Uh, fortunate to lose it there without doing any damage. Uh, he actually almost entered the pit lane backwards. Uh, nice bit of driving, reversed the lock and got the wheel sorted. He got the car sorted. Just maybe just a little bit too much curb on the inside. Ooh, on the outside, actually. Wow. Mm. Very close to the right-hand side barrier there. That would have woken young Mr. Eversley up, uh, Jeremy. Man, I'll say, I mean, we've had two really narrow escapes here for drivers in the last half an hour. And uh, they both, um, yeah, get, get it back to the pit lane. There'll be some changes to made on the, for, uh, on the car, perhaps also to the driver equipment, actually. Who's this running off the road? Is that that was um, that was uh, the, oh, that's the Aston Martin. The Aston of uh, Mike Sk of uh, excuse me, the 27 car of uh, of Maxime Martin, the heart of racing car. That was up at the Oak Tree corner. Yeah, and that's close as well. I mean, you're going going off there through the the, the, the first through sort of seven there, the first part of that double apex right hander there. It's very easy to get kind of sucked into the tire wall uh, on that corner. In the same sort of way, we've seen several cars of this already this weekend running wide on the exit of, of Hogpen, the final corner, turn 17. We were on board just there with uh, the number 79 car, Jules Gugnon. And you kind of run off road there, and then, then the road continues to turn after that exit curb. So you end up farther and farther off the asphalt yes. and onto the grass. And, and there's not a lot of runoff at, uh, at, up at the top of the hill there on the uh, north end of the racetrack. So that was a, a narrow escape again for Max Martin. 
So 36 minutes to go and lots of good data being gathered. Have had one small interruption for the recovery it's of the... the limits here, isn't he? Well, really is, yes. Uh, oh, was that the other car? That, that was, is the, that, well, that that's the, the other car. car. <laughs> it's the 23 car. So but, uh, Alex Riberas in the, in the pro car having a go uh, as well. Uh, quite clearly, they've decided that this is the time to uh, really stretch the legs of the Aston Martin Vantage with that uh, AMG 4-litre V8 twin-turbocharged engine. And with a few cars in the pits, one, two, three, four, five, actually two have just gone back out again, Ben Barnicott uh, and Jordan Taylor. Uh, no, Jordan Taylor's still in the pits, Russell Ward's just gone back out again in the 57. Uh, so for a moment we had a handful of cars in the pits, now only one, two, three, four, five, at seven a moment ago. And as I say that, Ryan Eversley comes back out to have another go at the hog pen. But yes, maybe maybe Heart of Racing have decided this is the right time to go for it. In the air, the temperature is a toasty 86 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 30 Celsius on the nosy. 93 Fahrenheit, 34 Celsius on the track. So good for the tyres, perhaps not too good for the drivers, uh, still showing 65% humidity. And we have an NTE number 42, shades of blue and grey Lamborghini on the track. Uh, it is uh, Marco Holzer behind the wheel of the number 42 car. And he's heading down the back straight now. So well done to that team, NTE SSR. They've lost two thirds of this session with those brake issues that Jaden Conright found on his early part, thank goodness, of his outlap. But uh, whatever they've done, let's see if Marco goes around. In fact, actually, uh, as Shea reminds me, it, uh, it wasn't even the outlap, it was driving to the pits. So he didn't actually get out onto the circuit proper at the start of the session. Well, Marco's gone through. So let's see him break for turn one. Front of the car dips down towards the tarmac, almost as if it's sniffing the way to go, trying to follow the scent of its prey. And that uh, very striking shades of blue and great Lamborghini then, Jeremy, back into the fray with the IMSA Diversity uh, Scholarship winner, Jaden Conright, in that team again this weekend. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's, he's really shown his paces this season. He qualified on the front row at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, which of course is his home track. He's from the Bay Area in California as Jaden. And uh, last few years, he started off in open wheel racing. There's been over in, in Europe for most of the last few years, even through COVID, which was very challenging for him. But uh, raced in the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup Italy, uh, did some races in the, uh, in the uh, Super Cup as well. And, you know, he's, he's really gained a lot of experience there. And he's done a super job this season at the wheel of this car. And Paul Matter's organization, not the biggest team out there, but they've done a really nice job in, in prepping this guy. It looks great. Uh, and and it's sparse too. They've had a uh, you know a string of, of really good results. They haven't done all the races this season, but whenever they have been at the races, they've been competitive. Yeah, whenever they've been at the races, they've been at the races. Uh, to, to yeah, be honest, <laughs> there you go. To coin a phrase, <laughs> uh, Jim yeah. was part of the uh, the driver panel at Road America last time out, uh, and there were some big names there: Ryan DL, uh, and uh, we had uh, Ollie Jarvis. 
uh, and a, a few others as well. He wasn't intimidated by any of them. Um, he turned up in his driver's suit and was very, very good at answering the, the fans' questions. Uh, very funny, very personable young man. And clearly, those things matter now, Jeremy, as you were saying about your Team USA scholarship potential graduates for, for, uh, for 2022. We kind of accept that all of these drivers that get to a certain level can drive. So there has to be a point of difference. And what you can do out the car for your sponsors, for your partners, for your team, for your manufacturer, that's all part of it as well. And Jaden's got all of that skill set in spades. Yes, he has, and, and just getting getting better as he gets older. He's still only 23 years of age, uh, but got really good head on his shoulders. And yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. He's great you know, that he got this opportunity through this diversity program. And I know there's a there's a, a list of candidates who are on stream for that yeah. uh, for for next year, just to give them you know, there's various uh, IMSA general sponsors that to get behind that program and offer kind of uh, contingencies in order to, to allow them to get on the grid. Brilliant. Yeah, very good. And, and proof, if uh, Jaden, proof if proof were needed, that sometimes you've got to look beyond the uh, usual spots. I mean, he's carved out a, a pretty decent career for himself through through hard work and knocking on doors. Yeah. Um, and, um, and doing whatever was required to get budgets. And as you said, going across to Europe during the pandemic wasn't the easy thing to do. Uh, got himself a bit of a reputation, got on the radar, and he's making the best of the opportunity he's been given this year, uh, which is all you can ask from somebody in that position. And let's hope that he is a part of this paddock for many years to come. 23 is right at the start of his career in this form of the sport. Actually, you know, you think about Fernando Alonso still racing at 41 at the very highest level uh, and um, quite a few drivers in that age range still doing great work uh, uh, we'll not mention uh, Bill Oberlin's age but because uh, he doesn't believe it of course uh, himself <laughs> uh, race drivers don't get older they just get a bit more clever and faster I think yeah Particularly and, in uh, case. Uh, yeah, for Stephen McAleer, he'll be old. He'll be uh, a little bit faster tomorrow. Actually, will be his thirty-eighth uh, yes. birthday. Goodness he he can't me. be. I had him on midweek motorsport last, me? last Wednesday, and um, I, we picked up on the story. Declan Brennan, good friend of ours, uh, who uh, works with uh, Gradient uh, Racing as well, of course. Uh, he picked up on the story of, of Stephen winning the scholarship right at the beginning of his career. That was 16-odd years ago. Uh, and then having to go back to his native Scotland, and he was literally stacking shelves in the overnight shift in a supermarket to make ends meet and, and get himself the airfares to come back and take up the scholarship. Uh, and, you know, that seems five minutes ago to me. Uh, and he's having one of the, his best years ever now, and rightly so. Team owner, of course. Uh, there's a couple of different business interests over here, based in the States now, over in New York, uh, and uh, still works hard. Never an opportunity to, to pass him by. We wish him all the best uh, for tomorrow. Get a chat with him on his birthday as well. Uh, come back to that in just a second, Jeremy. Uh, we've got Shea down in the pit lane. Which end or middle part of the, the, the pit lane are you now, and who are you with, Shea? 
Um, middle towards the front of the pit lane, aiming towards the higher end of the championship battle, and with Ross Gunn, Aston Martin, and last year, we were talking about it earlier, setting the fastest lap in GTD. That is the record that we still have to stand by, was the time that you set in that second qualifying session. How much do you love qualifying around this track? Yeah, it's one of the best tracks on the IMSA calendar. It's a special track to come to. The S's on low fuel new tyres. It's, it's not really many feelings like it, so... Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting out later in qualifying and putting it all down. It's one of those tracks that rewards you so much the harder you push, but there's such a fine line because you go off into the grass. Is that a good thing for you guys as drivers, having the grass instead of barrier when the grass is so detrimental as well? Yeah, I think it's universally accepted that American tracks are clear of European tracks in the sense that there's grass if you make a mistake and you're really on the edge, whereas in Europe you can get away with little mistakes. So it definitely rewards uh, a certain type of driving and um, it's one that I absolutely love and that's why I love coming out here is mainly because of how awesome the tracks are. Ross, I just heard your car pull up. I think it's time for you to go drive. Thanks for the quick chat. Uh, consequence without calamity. Uh, Jim Rawler with us uh, a few years ago on uh, IMSA Radio said, which I, I kind of like that. You can still have calamity here. Of course you have. Uh, there's a lot of room here, about four times the space of Road America in terms of the footprint of the the whole of the track. Um, and so obviously there are still things you can hit. Uh, and uh, But generally speaking, um, the edge of the track is the edge of the track, Jeremy. And Drivers are simple things. They like to drive racing cars fast. They need to have uh, they need to have parameters, and they are clearly defined here. They are, uh, yeah. And, and it does, as he, as Ross was saying, there as we see uh, an onboard of uh, uh, Antonio Garcia running wide onto the grass at the exit of turn three. Uh, precision is what you're looking for. That's not what uh, Antonio had there <laughs> on that particular corner. Uh, we've seen a few drivers out there who haven't had the precision that really you do need around here to get that ultimate lap time down. Uh, and there is, as we've heard several drivers say, nothing more satisfying than putting it all together, just getting everything right. And this uphill section of, of, uh, of S's there uh, is, is just, it's got to be, yeah, Ross Gunn nailed, nailed it there. Yeah, it's one of the most satisfying sequences of, of corners anywhere in the world. Uh, and uh, so it's just a tremendous racetrack here. It really is uh, all sorts of different corners here. Lots of elevation change as well. Sequences leading into one another. Yeah, you've just got to get it right to yeah. get the lap time. I, I, I always think, Jeremy, that, that drivers, the good drivers, they like to feel as though they're making a difference. Uh, yeah. Lawrence Vanter chose... Uh, to begged Porsche to have him uh, come here um, when he moved over to to run for Porsche because of these circuits, because of uh, some people call them old school. I I, I kind of know what they mean. It's just they're a proper challenge where good drivers can make a difference. And if that's old school, then fine, it's old school. I just think it's good racetracks. Totally agree. Absolutely fantastic. And particularly when the weather's like this too. It's... it's oh. uh, it's it's a wonderful place to not only to drive race cars but also to watch them as well because you can get up you know relatively close uh, to the cars on several different uh, locations around this racetrack uh, and uh, the atmosphere is fa fantastic here it's jeremy shaw he's with me john hindoff in the haggerty global broadcast center practice two 
for the Michelin GT Challenge in VIR. This is the penultimate round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. We'll finish off at Matul Patilamont at Michelin Raceway Road, Atlanta at the end of next month, beginning of October. A bit of a br race uh, break, uh, breaking out down into the first corner uh, as the Pro BMW, the Singleton car uh, of John Edwards, just rounds up uh, one of the Aston Martins. I think that was the, uh, the 44, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Turn 17 and 9 off at turn seven, 79 and 9 off at turn 17 as well. Well, that's the Faf Porsche and the 79 is the WeatherTech car. So is that another run off onto the grass? Exactly what it was. 79 at the moment being driven was weird. by Cooper McNeil. Just sort of understeered off through the final well, corner yeah. there. He seemed to have got out of the corner and then, I don't know, that was really odd. Oh, I tell you what, uh, who's that? that's Matt Campbell in the number nine Faf car. He, he's not got as much grass <laughs> in the radiator, radiator intake as they had yesterday when he went off the road in that car. Because that was a, I mean, that would have fed an elephant. Sure, yeah, and that was about. right in, that was down at the, ah, I, I, I think what happened there, Jeremy, is I think the, uh, the Faf car went off in front of the 79. Oh, no, it didn't. It went off behind it, followed it off. Almost on the same trajectory. And again, well round the final corner uh, at Hogpen. That's very odd indeed. Uh, we did get a bit of dust there. So the, the environs of the track are drying up a little bit. Uh, the baby elephant is not going to be quite as well fed from the grass in the front of the Faf Porsche this time around. You'll wonder why they don't carry on. Bit of grass. Yeah, well... It, these racing cars run on very, very tight margins, very close to the tolerances of everything and especially cooling. And it is quite warm today, as we've been reporting, 86 Fahrenheit in the air. That's 30 degrees, uh, 30 Celsius. So Matt Jaminet taking it easy and bringing that car back with a weather eye, I'm sure, Jeremy, on all the temperature gauges. Uh, sorry, Matt yeah. Campbell in that car, not Jaminet, excuse me. Yeah, that's right. And um, it, it is a critical round here, particularly, as you say, as warm as it is as well. Uh, you can't afford to, to take any chances. And hopefully... I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, John, he didn't... Uh, there's the uh, kind of... There's a secondary pit at the north end of the racetrack at the exit of turn eight. I'm sort of surprised he didn't sort of duck into there, just jam on the brakes, bring the car to a, a sharp stop, and, and perhaps uh, a fair bit of that grass would sort of evacuate itself. Uh, but uh, look, you know, you, I think you probably realise that you can bring it, bring it around to the pits and, and uh, yeah. have the job done properly. It'll take two seconds and he'll be back on his way. He's in the pit lane now, in fact, just heading down towards Shea Adam. And she is there to, uh, oh, oh, they're very impressive. They've got a proper leaf blower, Shea. Yeah, unfortunately, they practiced this from yesterday, John, so they knew that the <laughs> leaf blower would be needed to be utilized as well as the tiny air gun that they have. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this would probably feed a baby donkey. Uh, not okay. Definitely not an elephant, not nearly the effort that we had yesterday, but they are cleaning out the radiator. There's still dust that's being kicked up from the inside, and now he's been given the clear. So, Matty Campbell, 
goes back out on track. Thank you, Shea. 20 and a half minutes to go in this uh, second practice session. We'll bring you uh, the rest of the afternoon's action live, which it will include, of course, uh, some racing for you with uh, Lamborghini and Edemitsu Mazda MX-5. And we will have for you as well as our feature race at the end of this afternoon, uh, the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Still no sign of the Paul Miller Racing BMW coming back out. That was a rear diffuser and floor issue on that car, or a diffuser and floor rear floor issue on that car that brought it back into the pits, only having completed eight laps. So they are working on that in the paddock area behind the pit lane. No direct access from the pit garages to the pit lane here, uh, in not in the European style, very much drive it into the paddock but there are some uh, very nice uh, garage areas with the haulers parked right behind them. Infrastructure here has been worked on and improved down through the years and it looks as good as it ever has here, Jeremy, since we started coming back here. It, it amazes me, and I know it's been a little while now, but it amazes me we almost lost this facility and what a loss that would have been to to US racing. Very true, yeah, for, for you know, quite a, quite a lengthy period of time it wasn't in use, but um, it is now and we're grateful for it. And, and so uh, yeah, everybody who's involved in the sport, drivers, teams and spectators as well. Just a few, only, but down now to the final 20 minutes in this session. Uh, it's the most laps turned so far as 33 by both the... Turner Motorsport BMW, car number 96, which is currently third in the timing charts, and also John Potter uh, in the Magnus Racing Aston Martin. Uh, as we see, one of the Lexus pulled off that's the track. The, that's the green bits on it. So that's the AM car right at that secondary pit lane on the back straight that Jeremy was talking about earlier on. It has re-fired. It's Frank Martin Calvo who's behind the wheel of that car. Um, the marker lights are on, but the headlights aren't. Uh, they are down in the pit lane expecting him. And he's got the car running, but not at speed. But there is fire from the Lexus V8 engine. What a program this has been for Vassar Sullivan. Wonder what the next car will look like. New GT3 regulations on the horizon there have been a few little sneaky teaser shots of potential new GT projects from Toyota stroke Lexus come together wasn't easy difficult birth for this program and they've had to work down through the years Jeremy particularly at holding on to the rear tyres of that car but once they unlock that it's been a very competitive machine indeed. Uh, yeah, they worked so hard on that aspect of it and, and made huge strides uh, in terms of the consistency of the car, just looking out, you know, making sure they don't burn up those rear tyres. And that, that has really unlocked that car's potential fully. And, yeah, they've had just a one win this season, but uh, there's still two more races to go here, of course, and Petit Le Mans to get win number two on the season for that Lex Vassar Sullivan Lexus team. At IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch with us. Hello to Red Versar, Brian, who's tuned in today. 
Uh, not sure where you are in the world. Big sideways moment and a, a little bit of dust and dirt thrown up by the number 16 Porsche last time around for Jan Halen uh, at the top of the hill in front of the lodges there. Uh, Shea Adam is down at the pit, the Vassar Sullivan pit, and he's already spoken to the team. Looked like that car ground to a halt here. Didn't seem to be any damage to uh, that number 12 car for Frankie from Monte Calvo. No, and the mechanic's saying they think it's a fuel pump issue, so that's what they're going to uh. check. Frankie's gotten out of the car. Aaron has not gotten in. But two pit boxes further up from them is the 32 Team Cawthorpe Mercedes. Looks like it's going to be a mock quality run here for Mike Skeen. Mike has not qualified the car so far this year, uh, at least not since WeatherTech Race Pillar Gunaseka. It's been Stephen McAleer every time, but they are adding a little bit of fuel to this car, and they are doing sticker tires. Now, back to the Lexus thing. Remember, Jack Hawksworth's car had a fuel pump issue. Where was that, John? It was earlier this year. Road America. So it is a known yeah. issue. Road America, yeah. So last time out. Um, but for the number 12, the, the back cover has gone off where the uh, mechanics tend to go and hide in the engine bay. Um, so let's see what comes of this issue. But the hood is off as well. That's where the engine is. The back is where all of the extra components are, including hmm, the fuel pump. Yeah, that was when Jack had just put the fastest time in. I think he, I think he held on to that fastest time, actually, all the way uh, through, even though the, the car had to go behind the wall. Yeah, well remembered here. That was last time out uh, for the sister car. But as we said uh, earlier on, the cars are the same spec. There's no difference uh, in the specification um, of the two cars. It is the driver team, the team driver makeup that... Uh, decides whether it's GTD or GTD Pro. Coming down to the start-finish line now, the number 51 NSX, Aidan mm. Reid, who put the time in for that car earlier on. He's back in the car now for Rick Ware Racing, RWR. Can't miss that one in the car park. Very bright Looks good, color. doesn't it? It does. It yeah, it does. And an excellent job once again by young Aidan Reid there. Fastest of all in GTD, second only behind Jack the the time that uh, Jack Hawks was set early on in this session, and he drifts the car there through turn three using every inch of the road. That's precision, absolutely yeah. precision yeah. driving there for Aiden Reed. His last lap time was a, a 44.7 too, so that's uh, yeah only a couple of tenths away from his earlier best. So he's he's on it here is Aiden Reed, uh, the youngster uh, from uh, Perth, Australia. Again, another 23-year-old, just like Jaden Conright, another young man with a big future ahead of him. Uh, and a choice to make at some stage. Uh, he's enjoying his motor racing at the moment. He's a fairly tidy race engineer as well, Jeremy, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, he, drive, he drives. Oh, he's okay. just got off he's it. Got away from so there. not Ouch. the precision oh, that we yeah. were looking for there. Just got into oh, Oak Tree a tiny bit too quick, and the back end got away from him. Maybe just mistimed his braking point there. He's bounced with the left front off the tyres that protect the catch fencing there he's managed to do something that everybody should know find out where reverse is he was pushing there really quite hard and just under the braking for that first of the right handers maybe on the second downshift just locked the rear michelin a tiny bit he was right on the ragged edge coming over the top of the brow beforehand and just couldn't quite get it turned in actually did a very sensible thing and sort of half build out of the corner part the way around and uh, just hit the tyre stack there 
but I, yeah, I think he realised he was in trouble. Just trying to carry a little bit too much yes. speed there in his first those two right-handers and kind of missed the first apex. And when you miss the first apex up there, uh, you're in trouble. Uh, but uh, I think he pro pro hopefully he's got away with it. Uh, but uh, you were talking about the, his, his engineering skills and he not only drives for the wear racing team, but when he's not driving, he is a, an engineer, like John was alluding to, for their uh, Xfinity Cup Xfinity and Cup Series programs as well. So uh, he's getting a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, track time, uh, both behind the steering wheel and up on the timing stand as well in all these different series. He's getting a huge amount of experience and uh, very tidy driver indeed, this young Aiden, uh, and a very, very good head on his shoulders. It's a, he'll be disappointed to, to make that little mistake, but hey, that's what happened here when you're on a ragged edge. Just a little bit of scuffage to the nose of the uh, purple monster as the Acura is in. Aiden is getting out. Ryan Eversley's taking over. Not bad. Honestly, the dive planes are still intact as well as Aiden walks out around the front of the car to take a look at it. But this car, which I do seem to remember has wound up in the tires before and a lot more serious damage to the nose. This time, ah, it's just a scuff. As you like to say, John, it'll buff out. Yeah, I'll polish. That'll polish off, no problem. Well, I don't know whether it does nowadays because it's all wrapped, isn't it, rather than being uh, painted. They're just checking the the panel gaps and making sure that everything is okay and nothing's rubbing um, or likely to break. You don't want any of the clips breaking. It seems, as we get down the last 10 minutes, Jeremy, that everybody's pushing a little bit hard now, so harder now. Yeah. Vassa Sullivan in the 14 car, certainly among the pros, Jack's, Jack Hawksmith was telling us earlier on, they did their... They're qualifying simulation very, very early on, and that's the time that still sits as the one to aim for, the 43 at 984. I suspect that there's a few people bunging on a new set of, uh, uh, of, of Michelins and starting to go for it right now, and that's why we're seeing these little errors. Yeah, I think you're probably right, but just uh, just over 10 minutes remaining now in this session. Uh, Jaden Conright improved a couple of laps ago. He's now brought that car into the pits, the NTE Sport SSR Lamborghini, kind of 42, up to sixth fastest overall. So fourth in GTD, just the only two pro cars ahead of him are the overall fastest car. That's number 14, the time set by Jack Hawksworth and Ross Gunn in the number 23, Aston Martin. He's fourth overall. Uh, but uh, again, a good run there for Jaden Conright. Uh, Robert McGinnis also improved on his last run as well in the number 39 car barn with Peregrine Racing Lamborghini. Uh, yeah, number 39. He's 10th uh, overall. Fastest car from yesterday, Conor Filippi uh, and John Edwards it was who set the time down in the ninth position overall today. So uh, not anywhere, not not. The f fastest time yesterday was a 45.1. Uh, today, 45.2. Got a little bit of a break after this session, and then we have our first live race coverage for you uh, of the weekend. It'll be the Mazda, the Edemitsu Mazda MX-5 Cup. Shea, Adam, uh, and myself taking you through that one, whilst Jeremy uh, sorts himself out, has a rub down in a darkened room before the big bangers come out and the Lamborghini Super Trofeo uh, later on uh, this afternoon and then we go to qualifying for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship we have that live in sound and vision for you whether you're here in the States or farther afield no brakes no blocks and we'll finish off with our feature race as our last action of this Super Saturday and that is the Michelin Pilot Challenge two hours of racing 
to wind up the day. Tomorrow, starting at uh, starting in the morning with the second Mazda and Lamborghini race uh, in that order. Then our mission and countdown to Grain before the two hours and 40 of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship here at VIR for the Michelin GT Challenge. That's how the weekend pans out. If you want to see that broadcast schedule in your own time zone, if you go to imsaradio.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage, you'll see the schedule there, and uh, that gives you the times of those sessions. And I haven't uh, refreshed that for a while, but the uh, little, if there's a little television icon uh, next to uh, any of those, that tells you actually pretty much everything uh, from once we get into the races. There's all some some kind of uh, streaming or TV coverage. As far as this series is concerned, if you're in the US, it is our NBC colleagues who will be taking you through that tomorrow afternoon. Lee Diffie back on duty with Calvin Fish in the booth and check your local listings for details for that. If you're out and about, you can tune into our coverage if you are suitably equipped on Sirius XM 207 this weekend for that. No breaks on that flag-to-flag coverage. Last seven minutes to go, Jeremy, and good to see the Paul Miller racing car back out there after that rear floor and diffuser issue. We said they were a hard-working team. Very important for them, I think, to get a couple of laps here and, uh, and get this car dialed in before they go qualifying. Yeah, very much so. It was curious they had that problem very, very early in this session. They completed only eight laps. So you know, they, they were back behind the wall for, well, well over an hour there, I think. Um, but uh, good job to get back, that back out again for the final few minutes. And uh, Madison Snow just improved his time again. Now 1.45.4, sort of mid-pack there. Uh, and considering the uh, the lack of track time they had, well done. Yeah, this is. Uh, there are places you can pass here, notably into the first corner. Um, and there are places where you can go side by side. Sometimes you need to take a deep breath and and send one here. So it is not absolutely crucial to get your track position at qualifying and through the pit stops, but every little helps. <laughs> The fewer cars that you have in front of you, the better. And also you tend to stay out of any little schmozzles that might happen on starts or restarts. It's quite a long run down at the first corner and the cars arrive there pretty quickly on tyres that are by no means up to optimum temperature and pressure. No tyre warmers allowed, no artificial tyre warmers allowed uh, in IMSA competition. If you're sensible, you'll leave them out in the sun around the back of the the pit if you can just to get a, a little bit of of heat onto them but it will take a, a lap or so around here to get them up to temperature and we'll see that in qualifying later on this afternoon haven't talked about the Corvette much this afternoon mm. Tonio Garcia uh, they've done 37 laps quietly got gone about their business so they have been out there Jeremy uh, Antonio Garcia doing the lion's share of the work. Um, but at the front of the field, it's been that Vassar Sullivan RC FGT3 in the pro category that sort of dominated with then the Acura and the BMW and the Aston. 
Uh, but the car's out, the number four out in its bright yellow colour. Yeah, true that. And, and he's just said his best lap ah. of the session so far, up to seventh cars, place overall, me. then is the number three, the number three Corvette. And um, so, you know, in the in the mix, I mean, you take Jack Hawksworth out of it, and from, from Ryan obviously in, in second place down to uh, Roman DeAndres in 14th, just over a second, uh, and on a uh, basically a 90 second lap around here, or just under that. Uh, excuse me, more than that. It's uh, about 100. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah 100, 103. 100, 104, 105 seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, well less than 1%. So, very, very tight uh, on back. But that was a stonking lap from Jack Orkson. 1%, Jeremy. And, and you've said it that you, you often hear in, in stick and ball sports, uh, in, you know, in, in other team games, people talking about the 1%, the 1% incremental uh, advantages, incremental gains. Uh, on on things and we are literally talking about one percent in terms of of the ultimate arbiter which is time and the stopwatch very very close to a and off again coming over the top of the rise before the hairpin up at oak tree there's a lot of people taking a few liberties there and we're starting to grind a little bit of a trough out from behind the curb now it's dry there at the moment, and it's you know you kind of can ride that. My worry would be, what damage are you doing to the inside shoulders of your Michelin tyres when you're coming back on? That's exactly right, John. And you were talking just a few bits ago about yeah, there are places to to make uh, passing manoeuvres here at VIR, but perhaps more critically, there's a lot of places where you can make a mistake because yeah. we've seen a lot of mistakes during this session, and that is going to open up opportunities for some, for a pursuing driver to make a pass when somebody runs off the road like that. So. Uh, you know, it's a great racetrack, and but that that corner at the uh, top of the hill, that's turn seven, I guess. Yeah. Uh, is um, is it's easy to run wide wear, and, and you talked about it there that's going to drop off at the end of the uh, of the curbing that separates the grass from the racetrack uh, can cause problems. We saw it yesterday when the number 79 Mercedes ran off the road there with all four wheels. And as it came back onto the track again, it kind of ripped off a huge section oh, of yes, rear bodywork. Right. Yes. So, yeah, it's there, there are consequences here at this racetrack for, for making mistakes. Yeah, they actually took that car back to the paddock and back into its garage area yeah. because they'd done a wee bit of suspension or driveline damage. We never really got to the bottom of what they'd replaced on that car, but it was far more than just tacking on a rear valance, I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah it was away for a wee while, and they were quite worried about that at one stage. Yeah. Matty Campbell just made a, a, an incremental improvement in car number nine, the Faf Motorsports Porsche, but uh, uncharacteristically, way down in ninth position and last of the five GTD Pro cars in this session, a 145.019 for Campbell. Fastest time of the session remains at 143.984 by Jack Hawkes, who's back at the wheel of number 14 car in these closing minutes. Or minute. Haggerty driveway sponsored machine in that distinctive plaid and silver colour scheme. Really been an excellent effort by Faf for this whole, well, last couple of seasons, really. If you're not aware, they're based up in Canada and therefore travel to come and take part in IMSA competition was particularly difficult in 2020 and 2021. So, in order to continue supporting the series and supporting their sponsors, they 
changed their base of operations and uh, found themselves a place in the US. Fantastic uh, commitment, Jeremy, to the series. Yeah, that's right. And they, they've already made public their, their hopes or desires to move into the GT, GTP category yeah. in a couple of years' time. Another improvement on that last lap by Maddie Campbell gets himself into the top five overall now. Third in GTD Pros. A checkered flag comes out in this session. He's pushing on again here uh, through, the, uh, through the S's. He's hanging it out as he goes through the uphill now. Just in first uh, personal best first sector there for Campbell. We'll just watch this lap before we uh, talk to the fastest driver from GTD. We spoke to Jack Hawksmith earlier on. He's back in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus, by the way. Uh, Aidan Reid just standing by, just uh, watching this really hooked-up lap from the Porsche. Both of the Porsche drivers for FAF are moving into GTP, or at least into Porsche's prototype programme, the 963 with two cars run by Penske in the FIA World Endurance Championship and the cars debuting here at the Rolex 24 at Daytona in 2023 for a full season WeatherTech Championship. That's another two-car effort by Penske. Uh, Penske with a European base uh, almost finished, um, hearing and ready to move into. I'll be doing a lot of testing for that car. Well, the... Porsche dives into the pits, which means we can find out uh, what the fastest man in GTD thought of today. Ryan Eversley has been in the car most recently, but it was Aidan Reid who put in the 144.518 to lead free practice two for Rick Ware Racing. With only one other car on the racetrack faster than Aiden Reid, that's a good thing to have on your resume as well because it was only Jack Coxworth who was able to turn a better time. This Acura, not necessarily innately suited for this track, Aiden, but you found a way to go quick around here. What is it? Well, the way this, may, this thing makes speed is uh, a little bit unconventional at times, but at times it also suits my style. And... I'm having fun at, uh, at this track. I learned it yesterday. I feel like I got my head around it. And we're fastest in class today, second on the board overall. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed we have a little bit of work to do on the car. Uh, it just nosed it in on one of my quality sims there. But, you know, we still laid down a decent banker and uh, we're in a good window. So we got a couple of little, you know, little tweaks to make just to, just to give us some love before qualifying. But, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the guys and we, we continue to work on this thing and make speed and uh, we won't stop. Um, but, you know, all it says, you know, the fact that we're fastest and, you know, poking it in the fence on the way to being fastest is that we're really trying to get after it. And so I'm going to uh, gonna do the same in qualifying, hit reset, uh, try and repeat that performance, so find some more and, uh, you know, keep it, keep it straight, drive it straight, and uh, we'll see where we end up and uh, race from there tomorrow. So I really want to have a good end to the sprint championship with these guys, and this is our best practice session. So we, uh, we, we can be proud of that. But uh, we can't stop because, you know, the weekend's just beginning. So, uh, yeah, we'll get after it. Thanks, Aiden. Good luck in qualifying later. Thank you, Shay. Oh, I'm dying to know what the unconventional way of making lap time is. That's a conversation, I think, for another time uh, with Aiden. He was taking... I, I think it's all about corner speed for that car. 
Uh, I don't think that's the quickest car in a straight line. Um, we don't have uh, all the data that we used to have uh, on those things uh, anymore. But I, I suspect that's why we saw him hanging out so much. What a confident young man. 23, you were saying, Jeremy. A extraordinary yeah. uh, uh, well-versed in, in what he's doing from a driver's point of view and, of course, from a, an engineering point of view. I suppose he's got to be careful and not meddle too much when he's, when he's in, <laughs> in this mode this weekend. Yeah, what a great addition this Rickway Racing team has been to the IMSA paddock. I mean, they're involved in just about every form of racing in this country, it seems like. Uh, uh, Robbie, ben Robbie Benton is the kind of team principal there. He had a lot of success, of course, running the change racing Lamborghinis mm. in IMSA competition, as well as before that in, in NASCAR competition. Uh, uh, but the, the team is just kind of an, an amalgam between Americans and particularly the, uh, the, the Rickway Racing uh, Euro-Asia team that was based in, in South Asia. Uh, with Mark Goddard, who who is the uh, the team manager there, so it's a it's a really interesting mesh of people there all the way around. Uh, but they've made great, tremendous start strides during this season. They've had some really good results, and potentially another very very good one this weekend. Yeah, that is the and of course the team's based not too far from here, of course, either in in North Carolina. That is the uh, that is the former gradient car, so it's not in the first flush of youth, but still clearly uh, doing what it needs to do. Uh, Jeremy, thank you very much. Jeremy Shaw was in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre with me. Share Adam down in the pit lane. I'm John Hindorf. Thanks to our technical staff uh, here at the track up in Charlotte, uh, particularly our uh, Alyssa and the rest of the team up there, Jim Nabti. Uh, and all of our camera operators around the circuit here. And also the Curry, Kes Cobb, is over in London making sure we are talking to the world. Don't go too far away. We've got racing coming next. Edomitsu Mazda MX-5 Challenge. Check imsa.com for the start time where you are. And it's live in sound and vision here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.